0: And that's what he wants. He wants us to communicate with him. Last week, the title of my sermon was The Importance of Prayer. This week's sermon is entitled The Importance of Prayer, Part 2. We preached about the importance of prayer. and, And some of the things that we talked about was the purpose of prayer, the practice of prayer, and the pattern of prayer. Today, I want to challenge you to realize the importance of prayer once again. I can't overstate it. I can't preach it enough, the importance of prayer. Can I hear amen? I want you to look at yourself today. I I don't, I don't want you to think, well, Drew's just judgmental. He's saying this or that, and he's not. This all preaches to Drew before it ever gets to you. God wears me out sometimes. How many of you have ever been bent over your, your mom or dad's leg and, and, and spanked? Not beat, but spanked. I have. Sometimes that's the way I feel God's doing it to me. He just bends me over and spanks me. You know what that did when I was a kid? It woke me up just a little bit. Made me mad, too. I said, let's be transparent today. It, it made me mad, too. But I knew the correction was needed in my heart. I didn't like it, didn't want it, but I knew it was needful. So today I want us to be transparent with ourselves. You don't have to be transparent with me or someone else. Be transparent with yourself. Ask yourself this question. Am I placing the proper importance on my prayer life? Or is Drew Placing the proper importance on Drew's prayer life. Ask it to yourself. Ask the question to yourself, am I really spending all the time in prayer that God wants me to? Peyton, I have a little roar up here. I know you're busy, but I don't know if the monitors are just a little hot on this or what. You know I don't need monitors. By the way... Aki and uh, Peyton do a great job up there. And I give them a big hand for doing the work. They serve quietly in their ministry. They put up with me. I'm sitting up here going, doing all sorts of things. And they they help me out. And so I, I thank them. I want them to know I love them and appreciate the ministry that they do. Am I spending quality time with God in prayer and praise? And is my relationship developing the closeness that God wants? These are questions I want you to ask yourself. God, examine your own heart. Pray this prayer under your breath. God, am I doing what you want me to do in my prayer closet? Am I spending the proper time that you want me to spend? And then listen for his voice. I'll tell you, my job is to lead you in that direction. I want you to look at Ephesians 4 and 11. This is not my text, but I want to read this to you. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And I like that last verse in God's word translation. It says, It says, their purpose is to prepare God's people to serve and to build up the body of Christ. That's what I'm here to do today. That's what I'm here to do. And that's exactly my heart today. If you'll stand with me, I'm going to read from 2 Chronicles 7 and verse number 11. This will be my text. It's a familiar text. But today my goal is to equip, prepare, and to build you up so you can serve God in a better way. Amen. 2 Chronicles 7 and 11 says, Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house, and Solomon successfully accomplished all that came into his heart to make in the house of the Lord and his own house. How many know what this church was built? I'm talking about TFT. It was constructed for the sole purpose for preaching, praying, singing, celebrating God that's why we're here it serves a lot of other purposes it's a hospital to the sick the sin sick so this is the hospital all right one of our main purposes here is to come and celebrate like we've been doing and praising God for his miracle power because he is healing cancer He is dissolving diseases. He is saving the lost. He is bringing the prodigal back. He is putting families back together. Hallelujah. Deliverance. Deliverance. Hallelujah. That's why we're here. That's what this church is for. I'm not done reading. Verse number 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I've heard, (laughs) I've heard your prayer. I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. How many know that God's heard your prayers? He's heard the prayers coming from this place all week. I believe that he's chosen this place to meet with his people who are willing to offer sacrifices of praise. And that's what we're doing today. I'm not done. Let's keep going. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people. I'll tell you right here one version of this says ep- epidemics. Epidemics. Verse 14 says, If my people, not the sinner, Not someone else. He's talking to you. He's talking to the righteous. He's talking to the saved. He's talking to the believer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's exactly what we've been doing this week. We've been praying. We've been seeking him. Verse 15 says, now my eyes, we're talking about God, his eyes, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. <laughs> Aren't you happy to know that God He inhabits the praise of His people, but He's hearing the prayers from this place? <laughs> He's hearing the prayers from this place. I want to preach for a few moments with the subject, the importance of prayer. Part two. Pray for me. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, it's encouraging to me today. I'm asking you, Lord, today that we're a fertile soil that the seed of the word can go down in, Lord, and grow. I'm asking you, Lord, to encourage every believer, Lord, to trust in you, to have faith in you. Lord, you are a faithful God. Yeah. I ask you today, Lord, to anoint our eyes and our ears, to see and to hear what you would have to say to us today, Lord. God, touch these lips of clay that I can speak what you've intended for me to speak. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Hallelujah. I believe that we all should know the importance of prayer. Amen. A pastor asked a little boy, do you pray at night before you go to sleep? The little boy said, yes. The pastor said, do you pray in the morning when you wake up? The little boy said, no, I'm only afraid at night. I'm afraid that many Christians are that same way. We pray when we're in need. We pray when we're scared for our family that's lost and unknown. We pray when something in our life is going wrong. Our prayer, God, I need a new car. I need a new house. God, help us. Listen to this. This is going to be profound. You're going to be blown away by this. First Thessalonians five sixteen, it's a long verse followed by another long verse. It says, five sixteen says, Rejoice always. Rejoice always. That's the end of the verse. Are you blown away yet? Verse 17 says, Pray without ceasing. Pray. Without seeing, well, how can I stay on my knees and do all my work? Brother scotty would have a pretty easy job with that. He's on his knees all day long. Brandon, crawling underneath houses, man, you could pray all day long. You're on your knees, right? Matthew Henry says this about these verses. Note the way to rejoice evermore is to pray without ceasing. Your rejoicing is going to come from your praying. We should rejoice more if we prayed more. Again, this is still Matthew Henry. We should keep up stated times for prayer and continue instant in prayer. We should pray always and not faint. Pray without weariness and continue to pray till we come to that world where prayer shall be swallowed up in praise. And here's the last thing he says about it, and I love this. The meaning is not that men should do nothing but pray, but that nothing else we do should hinder prayer. Nothing you do in your life should hinder prayer. Wow. Now, I'm going to get started here. I'm, getting, I'm going to get to my points here just a minute. Today, I've got three more words I want to give you. The first one is the potential of prayer, and I want you to watch this video There's early players in the United States, and I just thought that Someone Someone need to put me out of misery. I heard you were the worst player in your last game as well. Dude, it is okay to suck every little but don't you think you've overdone it? You didn't you know you were supposed to be feeling dyslexic right here, right? Have you been tested for dyslexia? No. Okay. What's your name again? over there? Hope that the kid that is uh I think of that. You're the worst. That, okay, Cammy the El Bolo and go to the right field. And Donovan come back. Oh, these are all funny statements. This coach he loves these players. Uh but he says some funny things. And what he's saying to these boys is they have potential to do something, but they wasn't doing it in that game. One of my pitchers sits right over here on the second pew. Bo was an awesome pitcher growing up, but he's, he, he didn't hear maybe things like that, but he heard some comical things come out of my mouth. You're trying to motivate somebody to pull out their potential, Right. We all have heard people use the term potential. Webster says that potential simply simply means existing impossibility, capable of development into actuality. In the athletic world, it means that if an individual has the capability to do something but hasn't done it yet. Do you understand the word potential? This point right here is the potential of prayer. There's a potential when we pray. But the problem is, too many Christians are not living up to their potential. They're not living up to the prayer life God's called them to. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not talking about there's a potential if I pray to God, then He might do something. No, that's not the potential. The potential's in you to work the gift that He's given you. The, the spiritual warfare prayer is one of them things that we can use in spiritual warfare, but it's just a potential unless we use it. These ball players, they have talent, they have the muscles, the will, but until they accomplish something, they're just potential. Potential pitchers. One of the other things this this coach said to the guy he said, dude, you've got to stop hitting the backstop. We're gonna to have to pay for that later if you don't stop. That means he wasn't throwing strikes, he just kept hitting the backstop i seen that video, and I was like, man, I, I wanted to say a lot of them things to kids out on the pitcher's mound. My boys probably heard one or two of them. In the church world, we talk about the weapons that we have, have the authority to use, but until we exercise these weapons, they're not activated in our lives. Prayer is there for us, but if we never pray, they're not activated in our lives. They don't do us any good. We serve the creator of this universe. He created this body In his image, he knows all about it, but yet we want to run to this one and that one and everyone, try to find out some way to get around God so we don't have to pray. Now, that's not in my notes. I just feel like God's speaking that to me right now. Our first thing that we ought to be doing is praying. It shouldn't be the last resort. It should be our first choice. I said that last week. I say it again. I read these scriptures last week, but I want you to hear them again. Uh, James 5, 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. What I see in the church so many times is people don't think their prayers work. They don't. And then some others, they just don't feel like I'm qualified to pray the prayer of faith. I'm just not qualified. You know, I haven't been saved long enough. I'm not this, I'm not that, so I don't know if my prayers is going to work. I want to show you something in the Scripture. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We understand that. How many know what righteous man is? I'm fixing to tell you. It simply means to be in right standing with God. Are you a Christian here today? Are you in right standing with God? Then the fervent prayer, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman... Avails much. Your prayers work. Your prayers gets the attention of God Almighty. Hallelujah. In the Greek, the word word they use, and I can't pronounce, means the righteous ordinance. A decree of acquittal. I like that. It is translated righteousness. The word acquittal means a judgment that a person is not guilty of. The crime with which the person has been charged. We've all been acquitted. We've all been acquitted. I was looking at that and I was like, well, I've never been a jail." You know what? I was guilty of sin. I deserved hell. But Jesus. But Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, for he, he, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You are righteous today. I don't want to get into a bunch of theological words and everything, but righteous is pretty easy to understand. Right standing with God. If you're a believer, if you're saved, you're a righteous man or woman here today. Your prayers work. Your prayers, the fervent prayer, the effective prayer of the righteous man or woman, not a woman, it avails much. It avails much. We are made righteous through Jesus. I said all of this to tell you this right here. If you're born again believer, you've been made righteous and your prayers avail much. Or in other words, your prayers make a difference. They absolutely do. Our prayers have potential if we pray them. But they're a weapon. It is a weapon that we have not only to develop our relationship with God, but also to pull down strongholds. Amen. 2 Corinthians 10.3 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war against the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Our prayers will pull down strongholds. Amen? Amen. Prayer is our weapon that God wants us to use. I was uh, contemplating something years ago, and I, I talked to, I've told you this story before. I talked to my parents about it, and they give me their opinion on it. And so then I went to my in-laws, I told them the same thing, and they gave me their opinion on it. And then my mother-in-law told me, she said, I appreciate you coming to, and if I remember right, she was even in tears, said, I appreciate you even coming to me and asking me this question to get my opinion. I said, well, I want godly advice. And then we did the opposite of what our parents told us. There was a potential there for me to follow good advice, but Drew thought he knew better. I didn't. You've all been there. Don't act like you're so holy. You've never <laughs> taken godly advice. When we get past the potential, we begin to exercise the weapon of prayer. We, we will see God move like we've never seen before. Hallelujah. The lost will be found. We just sung about it in a minute. The dead will be raised. The blind will have their sight. The lame will begin to walk. Ears will begin to open. The sick will be healed. Minds will be restored. Deliverance will be divine. Dead will disappear. Blessings will be bountiful when we begin to pray. When we move from potential to practicing prayers, we will find out that prayer will not only change you and I, but it will change everything. It will change everything. Prayer has no limits. Prayer can go places that you can't go. Wow. Number two, the passion of prayer. Watch this video. Passion. Pepe Le Pew has passion. The passion of prayer is what we need. Pepe Le Pew showed his passion. I, I heard the other cat, the, the cat was, was meowing in, in French. Did you hear that? Was, I don't know, some other word, and then said meow. The passion of prayer. We have a lot of things that we're passionate about. The word passion simply means a strong feeling of enthusiasm or excitement for something or about Doing something, we need passion for prayer. We need to be excited about praying to the Almighty God. We have a strong passion about a lot of things here in Arkansas. People have a passion for the Razorbacks. Every year, I listen to what is it, 107, the Buzz, the radio show. They talk about sports, and every year, it doesn't matter if it's football or basketball season, the first things out of their lips. I think we got a chance of winning it all this year. Being from Illinois and seeing the Razorbacks, and I I love the Razorbacks. I don't follow follow the the Illini of Illinois. I follow the Razorbacks. That's my team in college. I think to myself, these people are not realistic. (laughs) They have a great passion for their team, but they're not realistic at all. We're in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Nick Saban has the corner on NFL players. We're not getting them. He's going to win. We're not going to win. Had to understand that. But I love their passion. They have that passion that, you know, this may be the year. We got a new basketball coach. You know, this may be, we had a good year last year. This year we're going to be good. We started off in the top 25, and the next thing you know, we're losing every game. Lost again yesterday. But people have a passion, have a passion for the Razorback. We need a passion about prayer. I can hear someone (laughs) in their spirit say, Pastor, why are we talking about prayer so much? You're wearing me out on prayer. My answer is this, prayer is our lifeline. Prayer is our lifeline. Without prayer, there is no relationship with God. I remember meeting Shelly for the first time. I thought she was attractive. She was easy on the eyes. Little eye candy is what I call her. But when I began to pursue her, I began to see past her outward beauty. Somebody said, oh, give us the dirt. Tell us all about it. (laughs) I began to see her personality. I began to see her viewpoints. I began to see things the way she sees them because of the relationship and the closeness that we were developing. I began to feel what touched her life and what touched her spirit, what she was compassionate for. I started being compassionate for. I don't even like the Sooners. Yeah, it was Oklahoma State, by the way, is who okay. she likes. Her deepest thoughts were being revealed to me. I started realizing I was developing a passion, an enthusiasm. I wanted to be around her all the time. I couldn't even figure that out. Sister Margo, the church that the lady's going to, Sarah's going to this morning. Dan Wormuth is the pastor, and Dan was in Missouri, and I was at the a junior camp, and I was the counselor. Can you picture me as a 20 something year old counselor? It wasn't good. They had to watch me as much as they did the kids. I was the one telling the kids, hey, here's the water balloons, go hit somebody. I'd met Shelly, and I, I talked to Dan one day, and I said, Dan, how do you know you're in love? And Dan, without hesitation, he said, Drew, when well, you can't stand to be without her, when well, you can't stand to be gone from her. And he went on and on, and I, th- I thought to myself, oh my word, he's telling me I'm in love. I was so disappointed in myself. I wasn't planning on getting married at 20 and 21 years old. But the closer and the more time I spent with her, the more I, I learned of her. At the beginning, we were really. Uh, Didn't know what to expect from each other, but our passion for each other grew. There came a love for each other and a desire to be with each other all the time. I could give you a million reasons why not to pray. I've heard a lot of people say, you know what, I don't serve God today because, you know, someone died. Someone uh, failed me. Somebody left me. Something happened in my life and God didn't fix it. I could give you a million of them reasons. Here's some more. I just put these in for kicks. I can't pray because I gotta go buy groceries. Say amen. I'm telling you things. I put down things here that I've heard. Okay? I have to cook. You don't want me cooking. I have to clean. I have to help with the kids' homework. I have to go to my kids' ball game. I have to see my grandkids. I have to have me time, my manicure, mani-pedis, you got to have them, my stress-release shopping, I have to get in touch with my inner self on the golf course, I have to hunt. You know, it's God's country, you got to hunt. I have to mow, I have to go to work, I have to change the oil in my car, I have to relax and watch a movie, I have to watch the NFL, the M- NBA, the Major League Baseball. In other words, we're too busy. When you're so busy you can't pray, you're too busy. You need to cut something else out and find yourself a place with God. Amen? There's been a huge drop-off in our passion to pray. I'm not criticizing anyone, and none of these things I mentioned are going to keep you out of heaven. They're all great things. But when you put anything before God, it's become your God. Anything before God, your baby, my sons, if they become between me and God... They're my new God. We have to understand that and get that because God intended us to raise them children and grandchildren, to love them, and and to do everything we're supposed to do. But never are they to come between you and God. Never. Ever. You know why? Because that's worshiping the created instead of the creator. Huge drop off. These things distract us from the most important things. Luke ten thirty eight says it like this. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Man, I've said that to my parents over and over. You're rotten. Other kids are not doing what they're supposed to do. Tell them to get in here and help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Hallelujah. I believe this gives us insight to what we need to be passionate about. Martha was distracted. Everybody know that story? You got quiet awful quick on this. Martha's distracted. She's doing a good thing. We were talking about it in the office today. She was doing a good thing. It wasn't a bad thing. She was doing a good thing, but she was distracted. She was worried, and she wasn't doing what was needful. Martha was distracted with the things of life, just like we sometimes do. She was being hospitable to Jesus. She was doing ministry. She was doing ministry. We know it has to be done. So we end up putting off the most important, sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to his voice. <laughs> Mary was listening to God, developing her relationship while Martha was doing a good thing. Now here's Drew's interpretation Jesus said to Martha, You're worried and troubled. You're too busy. You need the one thing that is needed. Mary is doing what's needed to be done. She was communing with Jesus. Amen. We need passionate Christians to want a passionate relationship with God. Amen. The last thing, Shelly, you can come back if you would. The power of prayer. The power of prayer. Hallelujah. Watch this video. He only knew I was doing this. That's Carden, if you didn't know. He was hung up on Superman. That power. He thought that was the coolest thing. He had that that eye with the with the beam, and and he just up up and away and he was gone. And he had the strength of being. It was all about it, man. He loved Superman and the powers. My, my boys love watching superheroes. Bible Man. If you haven't heard of Bible Man, you need to check him out. Bible Man is, was a, a superhero it, when Taylor was growing up, and then they had the videos, and everything, it was awesome. But they loved Batman and Superman, Spider-Man. Carden would go around the house, with, and he'd be slinging his webs. You know, he was Spider-Man, too, so he'd go in, and I don't know, something like this. He's shooting these webs. And then he'd come up and told him, he said, Dad... I shoot better out of my right web than I do my left. (laughs) You realize nothing's coming out of either one, right? But his right web was working better. We like to think of power like we think about superheroes or even electricity. We like to think that we can call on God like he's a light switch turning a light on or an ignition switch sending power to an engine. Electricity or an ignition switch has to have external source of power. God is his own power. Amen. Prayer is how we tap into God's power. Amen. Most people would like to have power with God, but they don't want to put in time to pray. Amen, pastor. You're doing good. That wasn't for me. That's for somebody behind me. That's all you had to say. Let me tell you this power will be demonstrated after prayer. Power is going to be demonstrated after prayer. It will. There's no shortcuts to God's power supply. The path to God's power source leads through his prayer room. The bottom line is no prayer, no power. No prayer, no power. Where are all the miracles? People are asking. What do we have to do to see miracles? Where is God's power? Jesus wants us to follow in his footsteps and continue to see miracles that he performed. Mark 16 and 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Don Norton said this, Praying people are intimately connected to God to the point of developing a heart like him. Praying people see things as God sees them. Praying people hear things as God hears them. Praying people are humble, not allowing pride to enter when a miracle arrives. But there's never going to be the power. That we're never going to see the miracles until we have the power of prayer. Until we spend that time in prayer, receiving that power. There's power in prayer. When we have a need, we can pray. God, you see the need. And the Bible tells us we need to pray according to his will. I'm going to encourage you when you have a prayer need and you need to pray about something, search out a scripture that goes along with what you're praying. You need to bring something back to life. I don't care if it's a marriage, a relationship, doesn't matter what it is. Start reading about Lazarus. He brings dead things back to life. Amen. The prayer of righteous people are the source of great power because the source of their power is God through prayer. There's still a power in prayer. It still works. Would you stand with me today? We cannot do supernatural warfare without supernatural weapons. The reason why we fail publicly is because we fail privately in our prayer lives. Today, we've prayed all week. Somebody might think, man, we're we're all prayed out. When you begin to praise God, it's not long till you go into prayer. And then a lot of times I start off in prayer and I end up in praise. They go hand in hand. One of the things I do want to point out, there's four pieces of paper up here on the front pew. And if you have a need... Whatever that need might be, you can turn it over, you can write your need on it, lay it on these altars. And we've been praying over these needs that's laid on these altars. I wanna encourage you to do that. But today I want us to find a place to pray. And I want us to ask God, God, would you help me to continue to develop my prayer life? Would you draw me closer to you? Spend some time, seal this sermon in your heart today, and understand there's potential in your prayer, there's power in your prayer. But we've got to do it. We've got to spend time with God. All right, would you find a place to pray? Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for these people. I ask you, Lord, today to let this sermon go down deep. Let the words that you give me, Lord, minister to their hearts. Let them understand, Father, that you are here for them. Lord, you are feeding them. Lord, right here in prayer, in prayer, Lord, you're feeding us. And I thank you for it. I ask you, Lord, to seal us up. In your favor, in Jesus' name, amen.